0: Aren't you glad you got a Bible? Amen. Uh, You know, we underrate this book so much. Uh, Many times we have, uh, we keep it on the shelf. We don't read it like we ought to read it. Uh, We don't um, ingest it like we ought to ingest it. We don't meditate on it as we ought to meditate on it. Uh, But what a blessed old book. That God has given us. I was reading this morning, and this isn't anything to do with my message, but just the blessing that I received this morning as I read my Bible. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 22, it says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We would not know that truth unless we had a Bible, amen? And we get to know that we are justified freely through his grace. Well, if you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, this morning I want to give you some uh, thoughts on revelation. We're going to deal with a few things during this conference. And like Pastor said, do check out the um, display at the back. There are some more boards that will be going up this uh, evening after the fellowship. And it's really going to go through the history of the Bible through to the King James Bible. And uh, it's very, very interesting. There's a couple of hands-on displays. There's a couple of facsimiles, one of the Geneva Bible, one of the Tyndale Bible. And also we'll be putting out uh, a Bible from 1722. And uh, that was an interesting story. A guy at work uh, years ago said, I have this old Bible just kicking around. I'm not doing anything with it. And I know you are a Christian and you like Bibles. Do you want it? And I said, sure. He gave it to me and it turned out to be a Bible printed in 1722. So next year it's going to be 300 years old. I was just shocked when when I opened and found the date. Anyways, uh, do check out the um, displays back there. There's a little bit of information on First Bible International. It is a ministry dedicated to uh, the translation of the Word of God because a church planter needs the Word of God. You cannot plant a church without a Bible. And we need to have God's word translated into the languages of the world. And there are more than uh, 4,000 languages that do not have the scripture in their language. A reliable copy of the Bible in their language. Could you imagine coming to church this morning and not having a Bible in your hand? The pastor is saying, turn with me to Romans chapter 3 and verse 22, or Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and you couldn't do that. Well, more than 4,000 people groups in this world and languages don't have a Bible. And so First Bible is dedicated to doing that. That's the job that uh, the Lord's called me to. And uh, as pastor said, I pastored a church for 25 years the church that I helped plant with uh, Jim and Melissa Rowe in 1990. And in 1997, we started a BPS ministry and uh, to encourage uh, our church to be involved in the preservation of Scripture. And uh, it just grew and grew and grew, and we were able to have a trailer and trimmers and a cutter and going to different churches and uh, sharing that message with different churches. I think over 33 churches in Canada uh, we were able to get into to help uh, assemble God's word. And so the transition to first Bible was really a natural one for us. And uh, what a blessing it is to be involved in the Word of God. And uh, anyways, Hebrews chapter 1. I kind of digressed a little bit there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets... So in past time, God spoke unto uh, the fathers through the prophets. Look in verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Aren't you glad that God speaks to you? You know, I'm glad that he speaks to Pastor Lau, but I'm glad he speaks to me, amen? And he speaks to me through his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for our Bibles. Thank you for uh, this church, Gateway Bible Baptist Church here in Thompson, Manitoba. Thank you for the testimony that it has in the community. I pray that you'd uh, bless the church bless our time together. Holy Spirit, thank you that you lift up the Lord Jesus Christ and you open your word to us so that we might see more about Jesus. And I ask that you just bless our time now. And we pray, Lord Jesus, in your precious and holy name. Amen. The book that we hold in our hands is no ordinary book, amen? It is not like Nietzsche or Plato or Homer or any other book that's ever been produced in this world. This is a living and breathing book authored by the God who created the world that we saw in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2. He spoke the world into existence. He is the same God who gave us this book. So it is a special book, amen? The t- the book the Bible tells us about the beginning of time, the creation of the world, the universe, and mankind. Uh, the Bible tells us about the fall of man and why we struggle so much in life. The Bible tells us why there is evidence of a different kind of life called the dinosaurs, and why we have and we have that evidence on the top of mountains, uh, fish on mountains, and we have the different strata. and And so the Bible tells us. Uh, what happened so many years ago. The Bible tells us why there are so many different languages and why at the root they all have a commonality. The Bible t- gives us directions for dietary laws and how to maintain good health. The Bible tells us how to treat wounds and disease. The wild Bible tells us uh, the world is round and not flat. Amen? Contrary to our flat earth people. The Bible tells us of the sun, the moon, and the stars all keeping their course in an organized pattern. It is an amazing book. It's not a book of science, but it tells us that there is some order to life. This is an amazing book that God has given us. The most important thing about this book is it tells us about God. Look in uh, John chapter 5 and verse 39. John chapter 5 and verse 39 says, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So the Bible tells us about Jesus Christ, tells us that we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. By the way, kind of a little side note, Jesus was talking about the Old Testament here. He said, search the scriptures. He's talking about the Old Testament scriptures that we're to search. And in those Old Testament scriptures, we find out who Jesus Christ is, who God is. We find out God is his sovereignty, his love, his faithfulness, his presence, his power, his goodness, his eternality, his foreknowledge, his holiness, his power, his righteousness, his truth, his wrath, his justice, his mercy, And his long-suffering. So this is an amazing book that we have in our hands, that God has given to us. This is an amazing book because it survived many attacks down through the years. Uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 tells us of the very first attack on our scripture. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. And that's been the attack on the Bible ever since the Garden of Eden is did God really say what he said? And we find out down through time that this attack has happened over and over. We have critics who have denied the Bible, the German rationalists, the the neo-orthodoxy of the early 1900s, theistic evolutionists. You know, we have a world that was created in six 24-hour time periods, amen? It wasn't created thousands and thousands and millions of years, amen? It was created in six 24-hour time periods. God spoke this world and this creation into existence. We have the critics of the neo-evangelicals with their infatuation of a steady stream of new and improved Bibles. Cultists have tried to change the words of Scripture, the JWs, the Mormons, the Christian science, the Catholic Church who have imprisoned the Word of God in the Latin language for many years. We have charismatics who have added to the Bible, say there's still ongoing revelation, new visions, voices from heaven, trips to heaven and back, mystical, subjective interpretation of scripture. Uh, We have so many attacks on the scripture. Culture who wants to revise the Bible, but we still have the very word of God, which God spake, amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Through all of these different attacks, down through time, we still have the very word of God, unchanged. Amen. What a blessing it is to have our Bible in our hand. Jesus said in Matthew, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law. In no wise. We have the very word of God. So again, we have an amazing book. And this book has been given to us by the God who wants to speak to us. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Here, the Lord is speaking to the nation of Israel. And he says in verse 11, For this commandment which I command thee this day, is, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it afar off. Isn't that great? It's not hidden from thee. It's not afar off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, "Who shall go up to heaven?" For, uh, go. Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, "Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it?" But the word is very nigh unto thee, folks. Every morning. We can open this book and we can have the creator of this universe speak to us. We can have the God of creation that can tell us how much he loves us. This is a guidebook for our life, amen. So it's not a far off. It's very nigh unto the... And I trust that we love this blessed old book. It's a wonderful book, amen? So God is continually wanting to speak to His people. He wants to speak to us right now. He wants to speak to us this afternoon. He wants to speak to us this evening, amen? It is, it is very nigh unto us. What a great book. A Holy Spirit-inspired book. So that's all introduction, but I want to give you some thoughts. We're going to talk about revelation, in other words, how God spoke to us, how God spoke to mankind, then inspiration, tonight we'll talk about preservation, and then uh, pastor asked me to deal with a little bit on the history of the King James Bible, and we're going to talk about that Monday night and Tuesday night, and then on Wednesday night we're going to talk about Translation. You know, God is interested in having all the world know Him through this book. And unless it's translated into different languages, that cannot happen. So I'm giving you a little bit (laughs) extra this morning. Amen. Are you glad you're saved today? Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ loves you and shed his precious blood that we might have eternal life and that we might know him? I'm so glad for my salvation. So, let's get into the Bible study this morning then. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1 and verse 19. Again, this Bible is a book of God, about God. It's an autobiography of God. Through its pages, we understand who God is and his relationship to us. Now, uh, God has revealed himself to man, and he revealed himself in two different ways, general revelation and specific revelation. In other words, God's revealed himself in, in, in those different ways, And general revelation, general revelation, which means God can be known in a very general way. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 19 it says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so they're without excuse. He's talking about the Gentile people. They know God. They didn't have the scripture, but they know God in a general way. How? Because of creation. Because of what God has created in this world, the sun and the moon and the stars and everything is created, we can know there is a God. We can know that this God is a very creative God, amen? Imaginative God. We can know that he is a powerful God. Uh, but we cannot know who God is unless there is more revelation. So general revelation says there is a God. He's a powerful God. He's a creative, an imaginative God. And then we can go through history and say, look back through history and say, oh yeah, there is a God that's at work through history. He's he's ordained certain events that uh, to say there is a God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit with the King James Bible. Then there's the conscience. Look in Romans chapter 2 and verse 14. The conscience says there is a God. It says, for when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So uh, when there is no scripture, if you will, to say uh, this is the right way, walk ye in it, the conscience says, hey, stealing is wrong. The conscience says that murder Is wrong. The conscience says taking another man's wife is wrong. The conscience bears witness that there is a law or there is a God, a higher law than unto themselves. So the conscience bears witness that there is a God. All unsaved, all of the unsaved in the different nations of this world know there is a God. Why? Because they offer sacrifices to these gods. Uh, I went to India and uh, the Hindus worship 300 million gods. Could you imagine 300 million different gods? Uh, we went to this wedding ceremony and there was this uh, piece of cloth in the tree. I said, Well, what's that piece of cloth? Oh, that's a, uh, one of our gods. Uh, So they know there is a God. They try to appease their gods. In fact, in this one temple we went to in Varanasi, there was a multiplicity of gods that they had idols for these different gods. And people would bring their vegetable offerings or their fruit offerings, they'd lay it in front of these different gods. And the funny thing about all of that was that behind these gods was a little alleyway and we saw one guy with a bucket picking up all the old offerings and throwing it in a garbage can. (laughs) You know, Uh, what I'm saying is that all all of the heathen nations of this world, they know there is a God. They're trying to appease this God in some way. So the conscience bears witness that there is a God. That's general revelation. Legends. Look in Acts chapter 17 verse 23. Acts 17 verse 23. Paul says this, as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. So uh, there's these legends about different gods, mythologies, if you will. And that's general revelation. Uh, there is a tribe in Burma called the Karen people. The Karen people. Uh, let me just read you a quote from a book called uh, Eternity in Their Hearts by Don Richardson. I don't know if anyone has ever read that book. Let me encourage you to read it. It's a very interesting book. It says The Karen believed that their ancestor was a brother to the Europeans' ancestor and that both had been given a copy of Yahweh's book. The Karen brother lost his book. But the European brother kept his. This is their legend. The legend continues that someday a white foreigner would come from the west on white wings or sails to restore Yahweh's book to the Karen. So this is their legend is that one brother had a book and one both had a book. One brother lost, but the white brother didn't. But this white brother is going to come back years later and restore Yahweh's book to them. It goes on, George and Sarah Boardman labored for several years in Burma without seeing many converts. When their Karen houseboy, Ko Bu, got saved, he realizes that Boardman was the fulfillment of the ancient prophecy. So it's interesting that, you know, there's these legends, and there's legends of Noah's Ark in many of the different cultures of this world. Uh, And they all point to a general, if you will, a general revelation that there is a God and this God wants to speak to mankind. So that's general revelation. And general revelation only goes so far. Again, it only tells that there is a God, that he's powerful, uh, that this God is imaginative, uh, he's creative. But it doesn't go much beyond that. So then there's specific revelation, specific revelation. It is, um, it's a little bit more complete. It was designed for man to know the unknown God, who he was, what he was like, and how to be reconciled to God. So this unknowable God... This God that is kind of only known in a very general way can now be known through specific revelation. Now, specific revelation came to man in different ways. Look with me in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 1. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 1. He came to man in dreams. It says, and in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Uh, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams where wherewith his spirit was troubled and his and his sleep break from him so Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he didn't understand it so he called Daniel to help interpret this dream so God revealed himself to Nebuchadnezzar in this dream Uh, in Genesis visions And it says in Genesis 15, verse 1, And after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And really, uh, some say, what's the difference between a dream and a vision? A vision may come in the day, whereas a dream comes at night. Uh, So we find out that uh, Zacharias had a vision about the uh, birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and the birth of his son. Audible voice. Look with me in 1 Samuel 3.7. 1 Samuel 3.7, we know this story very well. It's the story of Samuel hearing the voice of God for the very first time. This is a specific revelation to a specific person at a specific time. 1 Samuel 3, 7 says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt speak. Say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel. Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at both uh, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth, it shall tingle. So here, God has now spoken to Samuel very specifically about a specific um, um, event that's going to happen in Eli's life. And so here's Another specific revelation, an audible voice. So dreams, visions, an audible voice, physical signs. In Daniel chapter 5 and verse 5, if you remember with Belshazzar, Belteshazzar, the finger came out and wrote on the wall, many, many, tekel you farson. And so we find out here God used a finger on the wall. That's specific revelation telling uh, Belteshazzar what's going to happen and then um, angels angels you know <laughs> our charismatic friends like to see angels everywhere now we know we have angels amen and I'm as we're driving I'm glad we have angels at our bumpers you know, protecting us as we drive and, and uh, we have angels are ministering spirits but in the Old Testament, angels would reveal themselves to mankind at different times for different purposes. This is specific revelation, and Genesis nineteen verse one accounts recounts an event. It says there came two angels to Sodom and Eve at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Here two angels came to deliver Lot out of the wickedness of Sodom and the destruction that's going to happen. So angels came to Lot at a specific time, giving him specific revelation. And then um, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. This, here's some more specific revelation. God spoke to Adam and Eve face to face. It says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? So here, God spoke face to face with Adam and Eve, and said, hey, where are you? We used to walk in the garden. We used to share what was going on with our days, and I used to give you some instruction. And God and Adam and Eve met face to face. But sin came in and changed all that. (laughs) And then God used animals. Numbers chapter 22 and verse 28. Uh, We know this story pretty well. Balaam was riding on the donkey. (laughs) And the donkey, God used the donkey to speak to Balaam and give him a message. Says, And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten thee these three times? So here, God even used the donkey, specific revelation. Uh, In the early days of the church, God used Tongues. Uh, languages 1 Corinthians 14 22 says wherefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe but to them that believe not but prophesying serveth not for them that believe not but for them which believe so God used different languages to speak to the early church And I'm not going to get into that much, and pastor may deal with it or has dealt with it, but the early church didn't have the New Testament at that time. They needed direction and wisdom and guidance from God, so God used the tongues of these early believers to give them specific revelation until the New Testament could be completed. Then there were theophanies. That's a big fancy word for a pre-appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as he appeared as the angel of the Lord. So if you see the angel of the Lord, that is a pre-appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, a theophany. Uh, Let's see, where do I want to take you? Um, Genesis 18. Genesis 18. Three angels appeared, or three men, if you will, appeared unto Abram. And the Bible's very specific. It says in Genesis 18.1, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and, lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servants. So here is a pre-incarnation appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ as an angel of the Lord. Then finally, finally, there is the last uh, revelation, specific revelation is Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus Christ Himself. John chapter one and verse fourteen. I I guess I shouldn't say the final, the second last. John fourteen, one. Here is another specific revelation of God Himself. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the last specific revelation was the Lord Jesus Christ as He walked on this earth for three years. Now, specific revelation up until this time, is only to a specific people or a specific person for a specific reason. That is specific gen- uh, revelation. But the final one is, of course, the Scripture. The Scripture. We read that verse earlier. It says, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify... Of me Now revelation is limited because it relies upon the memory of man, relies upon the memory of man. Uh, these men had to remember what God had said unto them for that time in that specific purpose for that specific reason. but we don't have to rely on our memory here, do we? <laughs> Amen. We say, Yeah, I I remember something, the Bible said something about that, and then we go to our Bible. This is the full revelation that God wants to give us for this time period. Now, most of us have our Bibles that we love. My wife has had her Bible now for, I don't know, a long time. I'll put it that way. And she knows where many of these... She doesn't know the exact location or the exact wording, but she can, oh yeah, I remember that, and she'll just start flip... There it is, right there. And we can all do that with our Bibles that are our favorite Bibles over the years, amen? I don't know how we're going to do that with uh, iPads. I noticed Pastor's got his iPad out. He's taking notes, but... uh, You know, our Bibles, we know where different verses are because we've gone through the Bible so many times and it is a revelation of God to us. And what a great opportunity we have of having our Bible. So revelation is limited because it relies on the memory of man. Revelation is limited because it has a small exposure to others. Only those who know the man or the story will be able to hear it. The Bible is our, the final revelation of God, and it is a culmination of all the different revelations that God wanted us to have. Is right here in our scripture. Someone said this, God's ultimate goal in giving special revelation was to bring human beings into right relationship with him. This revelation makes known our origin, how we became sinners, the consequences of sin, God's plan for deliverance from sin, the person and the work of the Savior, the way of salvation, his expectations of his people, the provision for spiritual life, the future both of Israel and the church, and eternal life. Without special revelation, all of this would remain an unfathomable mystery. Aren't you glad that you know what's happening next? (laughs) Amen. We know what's next on God's timetable.